This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for March 29, 2019. In this week's episode, special guest Chuck Joyner discusses Apple's recent announcements like new subscriptions, gaming subscriptions, and a bundled TV experience with exclusive Apple programs. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software, exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern, and Intego's Chief Security Analyst, Josh Long. This week, we're happy to welcome a special guest, Chuck Joyner. You may know Chuck's work from the Mac Voices podcast that he's been hosting for about 37 years. Chuck, it's great to have you here. Gee, th- thanks. Thanks, Kurt. I'm happy to, uh, t- to join you from Social Security. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been, Chuck? You you have been doing that podcast for a long time. Oh, uh, let's see. It's been, I think I'm in my 12th year, if I do the math right. 12 or 13. I've lost track. So 37 internet years are three times normal years, right? So I guess I was close. Okay, good, good, good. I didn't realize you were that good with math. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Um, Chuck's podcast is interesting because he does video podcasts instead of audio podcasts, like most of us. And so Chuck is always there sitting in front of the uh, desk behind him with the mess. And I've been on Chuck's podcast several times and I always comment about the mess behind him. I can see his speakers and his Drobo over there. And it looks like a second Drobo and some iPhone boxes. And, but this lets you realize that Chuck is well immersed in the world of Apple products. And that's why we wanted to get Chuck on this week to talk about Apple's latest event, uh, presenting new services. Now, Josh, I'm sure you watched this live and Chuck, you watched it live. This was a very different event from what we're used to from Apple, wasn't it? It, it was. It was. Um, I mean, and Tim Cook came out and said that, you know, and he, he really meant it. I mean, it was a very different event. And the, the varying reactions have been fascinating to me. The, there are people that say that they were, they were embarrassed by what was announced. They, there were people that were super excited by what was announced. I don't think I've ever seen such a, such a reaction, a different reaction to a keynote. Yeah, I was actually a bit surprised about some of the live reactions that I was seeing. I I was reading through a couple of live blogs while watching the keynote as it was going on. And um, I I was sort of um, uh, surprised and a little bit depressed by some of the reactions that I was seeing. Uh, A lot of people just were like, this is so un-Apple-like and oh gosh, like can this event get any worse? And I was thinking, I was trying to keep an open mind about it. Um, and, and it was interesting to see how, how differently people reacted. It was just, it was just because it wasn't normal. It wasn't like your typical Apple event where they get out, they tell you about the new hardware and this and that. This was no hardware at all. Yeah. It's important to note that Apple launched a whole bunch of new hardware the week before, although Let's not call it new. Let's call it updated. They updated iPads. They released the AirPod 2. They updated the iMac. So a lot of Apple's products got refreshes, but none of these would deserve an event. They'd get a mention in an event. You know, when Apple does the fall event to present the new iPhone, sometimes they update iMacs and they'll mention it in that event and they'll talk about it. Uh, But none of these were important enough. The most interesting thing to me was how this began with Tim Cook defining services. And I was trying to think, who was he doing this for? And it seems to me this was for investors. 
This wasn't for us, the tech journalists. This wasn't for users. This was so investors understand where Apple's going. I, I would agree with that, Kirk. I'm not quite sure that that's the only reason, but it 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 definitely needed to to be a little bit explained because this is it was a shift. I mean, and and Josh, to your point, you know, I. The only other time I remember this kind of reaction at all was back when Steve Jobs introduced a little thing called the the iPod that didn't really go anywhere at all. But that wasn't a big event. If you remember, that was a small event on Apple's campus at the time. You can look on YouTube. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to a YouTube video of the presentation. It was very small, almost amateurish by Steve Jobs standards. Yeah, but at the same time, Apple Apple then is not what Apple is now. No. And these events weren't broadcast worldwide back then. Um, I, I don't remember exactly the first time they did this. It goes back at least 10 years that they've been doing it like this. But now, you know, there's the special Apple event um, app that comes on the Apple TV if you want to watch it. Um, in the early days, it was kind of hard to find how to do this. And most people didn't have the bandwidth. I do know when I lived in France, I do know that they were broadcasting it to certain locations in France, like where Apple had um offices so they would invite press people to watch them live there uh but now these events have become i don't know it's like it's like the the baseball playoffs or something that there's an apple event and everyone watches it and talks about it on tv and in the press and and they're they've taken on a life of their own that we're judging the events for what they are and as you were saying chuck you know some of the people's uh comments were very negative because of what happened in the event I've got an article on the Intego Max Security blog, which I titled Apple Solidifies Its Transition to a Services Company. And that's really what this event was about. It was Apple saying, hey, we can do this, but we can also do this. Yeah. And and and, and I, the fact that they are doing that, I mean, I think it's great. It's another it's, it's another piece of the Apple puzzle because they let, let's face it. I was having this discussion the other night with someone, you know, you can only hit a product out of the park so many times. You know, they, they've done it multiple times in their in their lifetime. They'll probably do it again, uh, and we can all speculate on what that would be. But in the in the in the intervening years, they need to have something to keep it going and keep the financial results going and to feed the monster. And this this to me seemed like a very, very good way to help feed the monster. That's an interesting perspective. I, I mean, I, I think I think it's it could be a little bit of each, right? I mean, Kirk is coming from the from the perspective of, you know, this is Apple pivoting to like something completely different. This is Apple becoming a services company, and um, but it could also be that maybe this is uh, a bit of a stopgap until Apple comes up with the next big thing that Apple's going to do. I, we, we know we know that Apple's been investigating cars, and they sort of backed out of that. It seems like, and they've been kind of looking at other things, and and investing some research and development money and time into those sort of uh, explorations. But I mean, I don't know what what else what else could Apple get into and do really well? Yeah, so so that's the thing. Um, uh, we've talked about this. Um, smartphones have become commodified. You can get a decent Android phone for a hundred bucks. Um, obviously, it doesn't run iOS, and there's all the reasons why you would might want to prefer iOS. Uh, profit margins are hard to maintain. They've increased prices too much. They've alienated a lot of people. They're not doing well in the Chinese market. There's all these reasons that the hardware isn't as successful. But I think the main reason is that the hardware is less important. The software is what makes the difference now. If everyone can build the hardware, then 
the only way a company can differentiate is by having better software. And software is apps, operating system, but it's also Siri. It's also the back end like iCloud. Um, it's also all these other services we talked about. Um, Apple did present a bunch of services and talked about the income. And I think famously, Luca De Maestri, the CFO in 2016 or 2017, said Apple was going to double their services revenue by 2020. And they're on par for that, which is why Apple's never going to give us more than five gigabytes of storage with iCloud, because they need that buck a month from, you know, hundreds of millions of people. But what's interesting to look at is the services that they describe. I mean, they make money from a variety of services. They make money from iCloud. They consider Apple Care Plus to be a service, which I guess is fair. But they don't like to talk about how much they make from the App Store. They talk about how much they pay out to app developers, but they don't talk about the fact that that's only 70% and the rest goes into their pockets. They make more money from the App Store than they do from a lot of the other services. I doubt that Apple Music's making a lot of money yet. Um, There was some news last week that there were 40 million installs on Android, but that's not 40 million subscribers. There's a lot going on. And so let's talk through some of the different things that Apple presented. Um, They started by presenting Apple News Plus. Two comments. First, the day of the eye is gone. Now we're up to the Apple image, which um, we, we keep show notes in a Google Docs document. And I was unable to type the Apple image in there to put in my comment about this. So everything is going to be Apple image something. Um, and everything seems to be plus. They're putting pluses all over the place. Yeah, exactly. So it, what's interesting about this too is that there's still it's still iCloud, right? Like th- that's the one thing that the one big service and iPhone and iTunes. They're not going to change those. These are lo- these are long-standing brands. Yeah, I, I and maybe that's why. But it but looking at all the services names next to each other, iCloud really seems out of place because you've got Apple logo. You know, you're supposed to say it out loud as just Apple TV Plus, but uh, but they like to stylize it with the Apple logo. So. Um, yeah, it's interesting. All these new services are Apple something instead of I something. Yeah, and Plus. Plus is a big thing. Um, I, I actually called the Apple News Plus name a few days before the event. Someone on Twitter was saying, you know, what are they going to call it? Apple Magazines or something. And it just seemed to me that they're adding something to Apple News, so the Plus makes sense. They're adding something to Apple TV, which didn't exist as a service, to be honest, and that makes sense. And I think maybe we'll talk later about the potential Apple Prime subscription, which would be a bundle. I can totally see this being called the Apple Plus subscription. But let's talk about Apple News. Um, Who's tried it out yet? Show of hands, please. I'm not seeing any hands going up. I think it's just you, Kirk. (laughs) I'm the only one who's tried out Apple News Plus. Chuck, why have you not tried this out? Uh, to be just very honest with you, it's been a busy, busy week, and I have not had the opportunity. And I also, I think I told you pre-show, I've had a cold. So you've had a cold. As, as much as I want to go and play with this stuff, there's, it's the bed has looked a little better than normal. <laughs> okay, Josh, why haven't you, you know, taken one for the team here? It's a thirty-day free trial. Yeah, it's true. I, it's true. I could sign up for the free trial at least. I, I just know that this is the kind of thing that I don't care enough about to subscribe to. And this gets into, you know, what what you were alluding to, that maybe if Apple had a big bundle of services, I might consider it. Right. But if but for me, just Apple News Plus by itself is not going to be enough to make me want to spend 10 bucks a month. 
So that's interesting. And I'm, I'm looking at you, Josh, because of your age. And, you know, you say it's not important to you. And I feel kind of the same way. I mean, there are a lot of magazines on there and, and a lot of news sources that I would like to play with. But I really don't have the time. And frankly, I feel like I can get them elsewhere, i.e. on the web in most cases. And so well, not really. Not really. There's paywalled stuff. Yeah. Um, there. Oh, yeah. Let, yeah, let but, me just give a brief overview. So I wrote an article for the Antigo Max Security blog, a first look at Apple News Plus, because um, I currently subscribe to a service called Readly, which is a very similar thing as Texture that Apple bought or first look what it was called before. They have something like 3,200 magazines. Now, about 300 of them are knitting magazines. Um, so it's not like this is all top shelf magazines, whereas Apple's selection at uh, current count 251 magazines uh, is all pretty much good stuff. There's a bunch of gossip magazines, you know, the ones with all those bright color covers that all look alike you see in the supermarkets. There's a lot of them. But Apple did make a choice. They didn't want to just throw everything in. Um, I subscribed to Readly a year and a half ago, I think, because I'm interested in photography. I used to buy a photography magazine, and for the cost of two photography magazines a month, I get all these other magazines. I get Time Magazine, I get Business Week, I get um, the Times Literary Supplement from over here in the UK, I get Wired, I get Fortune, I get lots of stuff, and I don't read most of it, to be fair. Um, but I feel that this is a good value because whenever I do have some time and want to leaf through a magazine, I can do it. Now, the person who presented Apple News Plus came out and said, yes, we have 3,000 magazines. No, sorry, 300. Um, that was a big blunder because my initial thought was 3,000. Well, that's going to be a lot, but it's not. It's only 300, which, as Federico Vitici of Mac Stories um, counted, is actually 251, but they're probably going to be adding some more. Apple News is what it is. It's a, it's a horrid interface. I, I find that the way they have that blocky, bold, sans-serif text for headlines make everything look alike, and I, I really can't scan Apple News pages. The, the idea of additional magazines is interesting, and the only thing that could tempt me is the fact that this includes the New Yorker. The New Yorker is a $100 a year digital subscription. It includes the magazine of the New Yorker, every issue. Uh, well, I don't know how far back it goes. But here's the problem. If you're able to read the New Yorker magazine and then you go into the normal Apple News section and see a story from the New Yorker, you tap a link to go to the New Yorker website and you only can read four articles a month. Because not all the content on the website is available in the magazine. The magazine subscription doesn't carry over to the website. And this is all kind of confusing. They talked about the Wall Street Journal, but it's only the last three days of the Wall Street Journal, so you can't search archives. And unless you read it every day... Well, you know, what's the point? Um, I, I find it, there there will be people who are interested in this, who are real news hounds, but it's not the best solution I could imagine. I, I, I've used Apple News, I mean, not, not, not the new version, but I've used the, the one in the past, I've tried it. And again, just, and, and I don't think that anybody here in, on this call is, um, is normal. If you will, I think <laughs> oh, you know you, we're yeah. Well, we're all geeks, okay, yeah. of some stripe, and so as a result, we spend a lot more time on our computers than most people do, and that probably means Facebook, Twitter, you know, different social media feeds, RSS feeds, and all that. So, I, I going back to what I was saying about Josh and and about me, and I'm, I'm looking at the both of us. You know, I'm not sure this is really designed for us. 
But you know, you, you look at that picture that Tim had up on the screen of the newsstand, you know, with all the magazines. And that that's a challenge to put that much material in front of anyone when it's being updated constantly. You know, whether it's monthly, weekly, whether you have, you know, restrictions imposed by the publishers, whether you have restrictions imposed by Apple. I think this has got to be a work in progress because this is a pretty big pretty pretty difficult thing they're taking on. And and so far we haven't seen anybody really get into the curation of it, which is what I'm kind of waiting for. I'd love to have somebody curate uh, articles automatically for me from 10 different magazines that would be all relevant for me. But that's part of Apple News Plus. And in fact, if you remember when they were presenting this, they were focusing more on articles than on actual magazine issues. And you can see the articles in a feed without necessarily reading the entire magazine. So some of these magazines are in PDF format, about half of them, and about half are a sort of an Apple News format. You swipe to go to the next article, and then you scroll up. So you're not turning pages in the magazine. And those articles will show up in the feed um, according to your you know, articles you've liked and, and channels you've chosen, etc. Um, okay, let's take a break because we've got a lot to talk about, and we'll come back and we'll talk about um, some other pluses and some cards and some arcades and all the other nifty Apple services. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today and then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 50%. That's PODCAST19 to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Okay, before the break, we talked about Apple News Plus, and the next one we're going to talk about is, well, let's talk about Apple Arcade. Um, a show of hands if you care about Apple Arcade. Crickets. We're not the demographic. I think we really aren't. I've talked to a couple people who think, okay, interesting idea because you can let your kid play all the games there because Apple's going to make sure there's nothing that's hyper-violent. But... The whole point of exclusive games is something that really doesn't work well in the gaming world, that uh, people get really annoyed that they've chosen a platform, PlayStation, Xbox, Steam, whatever it is, and the games they want to play aren't there. Josh, you play some games, don't you? Yeah, I I play a couple of games. Um, I'm mostly a casual gamer. And and I think, honestly, though, that's most of what the iOS gamers are, is casual gamers. Um, and, and, And I think Tim Cook kind of alluded to that a little bit. To Tim Cook's way of thinking, the iOS platform has more gamers than any other gaming platform in the world. But 
I don't, I don't think most people think of themselves as gamers just because they downloaded Solitaire or something on their iOS device. Yeah, they didn't have to buy some fancy chair with a steering wheel or a special controllers to, to play these games. Yeah, it's, some, it's a device that they already had, and so they happen to be playing some games on it. And I don't think most people identify themselves as gamers just because they play a couple of games casually. Um, but this is more the gamer, I think, that Apple's targeting, though, with Apple Arcade. Um, well, or, or are they? I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm not really sure who exactly they're targeting, because it also seems like they're going after these people who really, really get passionate about games and they want to play all the latest games with the coolest games that are out. And so, and that's also what Apple seems to be targeting here, because we're going to have exclusive games that you can play across all your iOS devices and on your Apple TV. And, uh, you know, you're going to be able to play them everywhere on every device, um, which is a very similar concept to, um, to Apple TV plus the idea that you can watch your content on everything and they want you to play your games on everything too. So the and note that there's no ads, no in-app purchases, um, which which are some of the hurdles that really annoy people about games. Right, and I, I think I think Apple's. I I don't know if they really know what direction they should be taking this, and and that's that's yeah. the impression that I got. I because Apple is simultaneously trying to target casual gamers and also people who are real serious gamers, and I'm just not really sure that it's going to get either group really excited or maybe it'll grab a few people from each group. But I I have a hard time imagining that a service like this, if it were just launching by itself and not part of a bundle, I don't know if it would really take off very much. Chuck, what kind of games do you play? I don't play any games. I am so unqualified to talk about this, which means that I will opine anyway. Um, Because I I, I absolutely play no games at all. Uh, But I think it it is interesting. I think Josh makes a great point. And I think we may be back to the conversation of who is this for? You know, are are the serious gamers the target market or the casual gamers? I'm shocked at how many people play games casually that, you know, and, 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 and a lot of those games are solitaire, which always blows me away. Or or some similar type of thing, like a match three game, like Candy Crush Saga, things like that. Yeah. But th- these are people who are trying to fill the time so they don't have to face the existential dread of their lives. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I think we lost half our listeners there. Uh, well, no. Imagine you're sitting <laughs> at a bus stop. Instead of actually just thinking about the world, you pick up your phone and you spend it playing a game. You spend the five minutes you're waiting playing a game. And, and maybe yeah, well, that is what people do. I mean, that's not what I do. I don't, And I won't speak for yeah. any of you gentlemen. But um, No, you you follow, you follow check your Twitter feed when you're or waiting. Or my the email stop. or my Feedly account. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's absolutely true. You know, I'm trying to squeeze that little bit of productivity or something meaningful in, but not everybody is upset as obsessive. I, I confess as as I am. So I've I would really like to know who the audience is, but I think there is a huge audience out there. Just look, Josh. Just to the to your point, you know, the number of people that are playing a game of some kind. It may not be a hardcore game. And the more those games can be made sexy and appealing and look good, I mean, they they pull more people in and. You know, I I think that's where Apple's going with this, or at least that's where they want to go with it. Whether they can, you know, to to Kirk's point, um, if if this is these are games that are exclusive to the iOS platform, does that make them that much more appealing, or does it alienate people? I don't know. Okay, so I play games a little bit. I like to play backgammon, um, and I've probably played thousands of games 
of Backgammon on this app called HD Backgammon NJ. I'll put a link in the show notes. I like to play the occasional puzzle game. I do the New York Times crossword puzzle every day. I don't always finish it. Um, if you know the New York Times crossword, you know it gets harder throughout the week, and I can't do Fridays and Saturdays usually. Um, but I'll download games every now and then, play them a little bit, and then delete them. I've stopped buying new games because most games that I buy end up to be uninteresting, at least if it's free, even with ads and, and an in-app purchase to remove the ads, I can try it out. Um, I, I've been playing a Sudoku game on my iPhone occasionally, um, a 500 Romy game on my iPad, but I don't spend a lot of time. However, if this were part of a bundle, as Josh said, I could be tempted to sit in front of my Apple TV and try some of this stuff because I don't know about you guys, but I remember back in the early 1990s when Mist came out. And I spent so much time playing Mist, and remember the little notebook that came in the box, writing down all the clues and figuring out how to get back to the place to step on the thing, to turn on the light, to go back to... The... And I found that fascinating. I never liked any of the sequels very much. Um, but there is a part of me that could be tempted by this if it was part of a bundle. I wouldn't pay 10 bucks a month for it. But again, are we, you... The target audience. I don't think we are. But if you can, if you, if you. Well, I think the target audience is anyone who's interested in games at any level. Uh, can, if they, if, if a hardcore gamer is going to pay the 10 or whatever it is a month, in addition to the other games they're playing, Apple will be happy. If the casual gamer, particularly in a family with parents and kids, is going to pay for it, they'll be happy too. So I, I think what's interesting in this kind of offer is. There's probably going to be games that go across a wide range of, of playing styles, and there will be something for everyone. Over time, unless there is a lot of renewal, it will get boring. All right, let's, let's move on to Apple Card, because in my opinion, that's the biggest announcement that they made. And I've been saying this since they announced Apple Pay, what was it, two years ago, three years ago? That this is where Apple, you know the, the saying, you don't skate to where the puck is, you skate to where the puck is going. And this is what Apple did announcing Apple Pay. You know, when you use Apple Pay, they get the VIG on every transaction you make. And that VIG can be very small, but very small multiplied by, what did they say, 10 billion transactions already? That's a lot of change that goes into Apple's coffers. Um, Apple introducing a credit card. Now, I'm looking at that from the UK where I don't have any fees on my credit cards. Um, credit cards are kind of simpler here than in the U.S., what what do you guys think about this Apple Card? Uh, I think it's I think it's kind of exciting. I feel like at least for the U.S. market, Apple just rolled a grenade into the room, and it's going to be a question of when it goes off. Um, because you you they're giving three percent back on Apple Apple purchases. Well, that if you're an Apple customer at all, automatically you're going to buy you're going to get a credit one of the cards, no question. And and people like us who buy multiple Apple devices every year will get the card if only for that reason. Exactly. So they they have a guaranteed adoption. They give 2% on Apple – on anything uh, done with Apple Pay, which is perfect because in my mind, you know, they're taking – since Apple Pay is so secure, they're taking some of the security costs that other co credit card companies incur. They're saving it for them – they're saving themselves that money and they're passing part of it back to the, to the consumer. And then for those dinosaurs out there, as far as the merchants go, who insist on taking up a, a card – then you're going to have a physical card that you can use and get 1% back. Now, none of those numbers may be at the very top of the rewards, uh, I guess, hierarchy, but they're good enough that a lot of people are going to do it because it's Apple, because it's convenient, 
and 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 also they are going to feel a lot more secure. Yeah. So here's here's an interesting thing. Um, the best reward I get on a credit card is one and a half percent because the whole system is different here. Um, but just talking about Apple Pay, I a couple hours ago I tried to buy something on the web which had an Apple Pay um, option, and the Apple Pay thing came up in Safari, and I pressed the button on my watch, and it failed. And I tried again, and it failed. And I tried again, and it failed. And I've had a lot of failures with Apple Pay like that using Safari, and I don't know why. The other thing about Apple Pay in the U.S., um, you know, Apple's always touting, oh, this store is now accepting Apple Pay. And I see this and I shrug because every single store in the United Kingdom selects Apple Pay because contactless credit cards have been around here. When I moved here in 2013, I got a contactless credit card. You didn't have many readers, but everyone has an NFC reader. And it uses contactless cards or Apple Pay or Google Pay or all the other different systems. So it's not a big deal that contactless is available. So I go to my supermarket. I can pay with a contactless card, with my watch, with my phone. It's not a big deal. Um, I, I think the big deal here is that Apple creating a credit card is perhaps a step toward Apple becoming a bank or at least a partner of a worldwide bank. And... So this is only being released in the U.S. for now, obviously because there's probably a lot of negotiation with banks in each country. It's probably regulatory issues that need to be considered. Um, I'm wondering if Apple's going to partner with one of the big multinational banks to get a presence in a lot of countries. Um, HSBC, for example, is present in most countries in the world. Um, or are they going to just, I mean, Goldman Sachs? I didn't even know Goldman Sachs was a bank. I thought it was just a... A, a, a grifting, you know, stock selling agency that led us to the recession of 2008. Don't hold back, Kirk. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, Goldman Sachs for me is, you know, I saw that movie, The Big Short. Come on, Goldman Sachs, they were some of the villains in there. But in any case, I think this is a big deal that Apple's going to get that little percentage of everything. And as you said, Chuck, the security of Apple Pay is such that fraud is, is going to go down a lot. And I think that's, pretty fascinating that they're going in that direction but josh was saying before about is there going to be new hardware and all that the the future is the platform the future is the software the future is i'm we're going to talk in a few years about apple going into medical records because it's something they've already been talking about um health insurance you know there's so much money in that there these are there are huge markets chuck um, you work in an industry that's one of the largest industries in the world. And imagine if Apple got involved in that industry. Can I say what you do? Sure. You're in the insurance business. Imagine yeah. if Apple got into the insurance business. I mean, there are huge industries that whose, whose turnover dwarfs that of Apple if you, you know, uh, amalgamate everything. I think the thing we're going to have the most to say about is Apple TV Plus because there's a plus that makes it better. We knew that Apple was producing shows. We had some ideas of what they were and who was involved. So these weren't total surprises. They brought out a number of stars, and most of them were recognizable, even to me, who's not a real big movie fan. But then they did this black and white video that seemed to go on about 12 minutes of people talking about making movies. Nothing gets black and white. I'm a big fan of black and white. But I only knew a handful of the people there. I, recommend, I recognized Ron Howard... Um, Spielberg, who else? There were three or four that I recognized. They didn't have names under there. 
So I'm thinking, I'm thinking that this presentation was not for us. It was not for users. It was for Hollywood. It was for Apple to say, look at all the people we've got. Come join us. Yeah, I, there were only two people I think that I didn't recognize at all in in the video. But um, and I and I don't I wouldn't consider myself much of a movie buff, but I did I did recognize a lot of the people in the video at least. Um, I, so my my feeling on this, and, and again, this was very polarizing. The reaction that people had to to this video and this whole sequence of you know let's bring out a star, whether they're a director or an actor, and have that person talk about their Apple TV Plus project. Um, a lot of people really hated it. I, I thought um, I, I thought maybe I, I got what Apple was trying to do. Um, and, and that was, I, they wanted people to see, we have really big names working on projects for Apple TV plus we're not kidding around with, and, and just putting out some silly new, you know, competitor to Netflix and others. We want to be the best platform. We want to have the best unique shows and, so that's why we're we're investing all it, clearly they're investing a lot of money into this. And uh you, you know it, Apple has a lot of money to invest but Apple's putting tons of money and time and effort into making this platform beautiful. Yeah, I think this is a prestige move. They don't care if they make money off of this because the the amount of time it's going to take to build up enough programming to have something solid is going to be very long, but if they can get big names, I mean that Spielberg thing does sound interesting. Chuck, are you a big movie TV fan? No, I, not necessarily. But I, but I have to tell you, I, much to my surprise, that and I'm not affected by star power at all. I mean, I've, I've, there are very few people I would walk across the street to shake their hand because they're a star. That that just doesn't appeal to me or have any meaning for me. But the, the, the shows that they were presenting sounded surprisingly appealing. And the the one thing, though, I think that has not been discussed very openly, it, and it's so obvious that, yeah, there's a lot of star power here because that's going to make people watch. That's going to bring people to this platform automatically. If you think about – the thing that comes to mind right away for me is the Marvel uh, the Marvel TV part. Um, you know, the people that, that played uh, Daredevil, uh, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, The Punisher – Frankly, I was not familiar with any of them. Probably, maybe some of you were. I don't know, but they, but but I, I was brought in because of the Marvel thing, and they did a great job. Here, some of these programs, I probably wouldn't wouldn't pay much attention to, and a lot of people might not pay attention to them, except that they have Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. That thing, the morning show, is interesting. It sounds like um, a remake of Aaron Sorkin's Newsroom with women instead of with a male central character. And you may be seeing the Today – yeah, the U.S. Today show is – that's what that is right now. Yeah, and, and it might be very interesting. And and the the thing is that, you know, remember when Netflix came out and when there were Netflix originals, it's like, ooh, a Netflix original. I can't see it anywhere else. I'm going to watch it. And then either after a couple episodes or after one season, you're like, yeah, that wasn't really that good. And now if you look at Netflix or Amazon Prime, they have tons of originals. I'm doing air quotes because Netflix calls originals things they license. Like from the UK, they have The Crown, and they call it a Netflix original, but it's not. It was made by the BBC. But they're not special anymore. They've gotten to the point where you just scroll through them like everything else. Um, you mentioned the superheroes, and that stuff that they won't have. Disney's going to launch their own streaming service. Do they own the Marvel stuff, right? Not the DC? Yep. Yep. Um 
And so this is a big segment of the TV watching audience that they won't get. Again, who is this for? How are they going to pay? How are they going to charge money for this? Um, my thought is they're not going to have enough for 10 bucks a month. They're going to give it free with Apple Music subscriptions. Or they're going to just give it free to anyone who has an Apple device in order to get it off the ground. Because they need a lot of programming to get people to pay 10 bucks a month. Com- you know, compare it to uh, Netflix. Compare it to your Amazon Prime where you don't even pay extra for the video. Um, it's going to be hard for them to get enough. And the star power will help, but they still need enough programming to, to make a difference. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that. And I don't know how it's going to be priced. I mean, I think they're almost at this point with what we know, and we don't know what Apple knows, but with what we know, you can almost make an argument in any direction you want and have it make a certain amount of sense. If they give it away free, great. If they give it away free to just Apple device owners, great. If they charge a minimal amount, great. If they charge a lot, that may scare some people away, but that's where I think the star power part will at least bring people in to to test it out and taste it and see how it works for them. And so Apple's kind of got all its bases covered right now. I I think uh, this is a potentially really amazingly awesome Trojan horse because if if Apple – does decide, hey, we're just going to make this free for anybody who has any Apple device, guess what? They have so many people who are going to go out and buy Apple hardware now to to watch this show. Now, I, I should backtrack a little bit on that because Apple also announced that this Apple TV Plus service is coming to some smart TVs that are not made by Apple. Yeah, they announced that at the Consumer Electronics Show a few months ago. Um, Sony, LG, Vizio, maybe one other brand are going to get this on new TVs. Some of them 2018 models, some of them 2019. But here's the problem. How often do you guys update your TVs? Unless you're a TV obsessive, you update your TVs every five or 10 years. So the amount of time it's going to take for people to get this, um, is not going to help build the critical mass necessary. On the other hand, Apple's recognizing that the Apple TV black box device isn't selling enough to get enough people who are going to buy that to watch. You know, I I think I just realized why it's still a Trojan horse, even if they're putting this on other brands of television, because what do you want to do when you're on the road, when you're away from home, when you're on vacation and you want to watch that show that you really like? What can you do unless you have an Apple device with you? So it's still kind of a potential Trojan horse to get people just to buy Apple hardware, even when they're away from home. And and Josh, I love the Trojan horse analogy. That's great. But let's remember, Apple is really good at one thing. They really are good at playing the long game. You know that's and that and that to me is where these the TVs come in. Kirk, I'm with you. Um, you know, unless there's a way to update your TV with new apps. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of TVs that, that don't get it. And the manufacturers don't want that because they want you to buy t- new TVs because the TV market is collapsing. Uh, people bought new TVs for a while when 4K came out, and now they're just not buying new TVs. So they need a reason to get people to buy more. Sure. And this this could be theoretically one reason, and I don't know what else they could bundle with it. Um, or if you, know, if you buy a new TV and you get it for you know 12 months for free, a lot of different ways this could go. But the fact that Apple's doing that, just like they took Apple Music and they added it to the Amazon devices. So they're reaching out and saying, okay, as much as we want you in our ecosystem and maybe we can pull you in, there's money to be made and audiences to be captured outside of our ecosystem. And we're going to start doing some of that. Okay, just very quickly, let's end with the 
Um, I know who Oprah is, but come on, that presentation, I was like expecting Barack Obama to come out. Just as an aside, I kind of expected, you know, the famous thing where Oprah says, you get a car and you get a car. I expected her to say, you get an air power and you get an air power, that, uh, you know, charging mat that Apple still has not released. Um, I understand the point of the Oprah thing. They've probably given her $12 billion or something like that to get her name, and she's going to produce a couple documentaries. The thing about the book club is interesting because that's something that Apple has really just ignored is, is you know, ebooks, the iBooks app that became the books app. Um, we're not going to see a books Netflix for books bundle because publishers don't want that. Um, but, but what I found interesting is that Oprah was talking about, you know, beaming these conversations with authors all around the world. And so one just problem is this is all in the English language and not everyone speaks English and these books won't all be translated and... You know, obviously, Apple is looking at their home market first, but remember, their second biggest market is China. This was very U.S.-centric, everything that they presented. Um, the news, you know, Apple News app is only been available in the U.S., U.K., and Australia, just added Canada. And this was 2017 it came out. So that these these are interesting services in those countries, but they're not expanding. Now, they did talk about the TV being in, I don't know, 100-plus countries, which what what a great time to be a subtitler, a translator. Um, I, I was a translator for many years and I did some subtitling and there was just hardly anything that was, you know, going from one country to another. But with um, Netflix and Amazon and, and all this, is a lot of work. Now you can get Apple News Plus, you can get a 30-day trial. Um, everything else is the fall, isn't it? I think the card was... Th the TV and the arcade, the card in the yeah, summer right. in the U.S., yeah. And everything else in the fall. So if you're in the U.S., like most of our listeners, you'll have some interesting stuff in the coming months. Um, if, like me, you're in another country, um, then you will have to wait a while. Before we go, Josh wants to quickly talk about a little bit of security news, because after all, this is a security podcast. Josh, over to you. <laughs> okay. So Apple did release updates for all of its operating systems this week. Uh, Mac OS Mojave. Um, tvOS, iOS, watchOS. Uh, watchOS took a couple of days, but they finally released that update on Wednesday as well. So all of those platforms have updates available and they contain a lot of security fixes. iOS contains, I think, 51 different uh, security vulnerability fixes. So you want to make sure to get those installed as soon as possible. Even if you don't care about Apple News, or News Plus, you know, you can, you still need to install those to make sure that your devices are secure. Okay, warning, and I'll link to an article on my personal website in the show notes. Um, I updated to Mac OS 10.14.4, everything worked fine. The next morning, mail said I needed to log in to Gmail um, to be able to access my email. Now, this is not a Gmail Gmail account. This is my personal domain hosted on a G Suite account. It bounces to Safari for authentication, then it goes back to mail and it fails. Now, I think this authentication via Safari is new. It's broken. There are thousands of people who are affected who've been posting in forums. Um, I cannot get my email anymore in the mail app on the Mac. Some people are saying that they can't get their email on iOS. It works fine for me. Um, my MacBook Pro, which isn't updated, works fine. So this is really just with the latest Mac update. So if you depend for your email on a domain hosted on G Suite with Google, you should think twice about updating. Good warning. But if in any other scenario, if you don't have that particular mail set up, definitely update all of your devices. By all means. 
Okay, Chuck, thanks very much. We'll have a link in the show notes to the Mac Voices website, um, the talk of the Mac community. Is that how you say it? That's the tagline. Okay. Thanks for joining us, Chuck. And Josh, stay secure. All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. Intego.com.